Everybody and welcome back to another episode of the POD cast, your favorite podcast about new metal. This is episode number 41. And this month we are doing what no other new metal podcast is brave and courageous enough to do. We are covering the debut album from Napanee, Ontario, Canada's own Avril Lavigne, Let Go. That's right. We're going where no new metal podcast has gone before. I'm John, and with me is a man who is on this quest with me. Is he a man, or is he more of a boy? More of a skater boy? I would never say, see you later, boy. It's Brian Quinby. I did want to be a skater boy. Well, okay. <clears throat> In fifth grade, I wanted to be a skater boy. In sixth grade, my friend said bad things about skaters, and I was like, I would never be a skater. You know and then that I mean? was your opinion on skaters for the rest of your life? For a long time. And then, you know, in, in the 2000s, I started dressing like them since mm-hmm. that was like the thing to do back well, then. Well, yeah, all the Deftones guys dressed like that. Yeah, like DC shoes and, and all that shit. Dickies, like, yeah, big windbreakers. Yeah, yeah, I wore a lot of that. So I did dress like them in the 2000s. But, yeah. uh, I you know, I was never going to be good at it. I don't think like, I guess I, I could have been I guess, good. I think I could have been good because I'm a pretty good athlete, but I was too scared. I have a very low pain threshold and I was too much of a wuss to actually to actually want to skate. So I think that's why I got so good at Tony Hawk's pro skater, because that was just sort of my that was my window into like, oh, man, if you were a good skater, this could be this could have been you. Yeah, um, but that's alas, why I'm good alas, at Kirby. That's why I'm really good at Kirby. I like to suck things in and then shoot them out of my mouth. I always thought I'd be really good at sucking. Yeah, Brian, the what do you like stuff. to suck in and spit out of your mouth? Big fucking cummy cocks. Is that what you expected? No, that's obviously not. That's why I'm laughing really hard and I couldn't talk for five seconds. <laughs> but I mean, I I think like I am very uncoordinated anyway. Like I think like if I was gonna be something athletic, it would have a hundred percent had to be football. And it would have had to be like one of the, the like defensive players or the line, you know, just something where it's like, all you have to do is run into somebody else. Yeah. That's the only, and I was never really big as a, as a kid or anything. So I could, you're like, like, you're really skinny in the old, like, uh, you know, in your old new metal days, you were, you were a thin, a slender man. Yeah. So it was like, I wouldn't, I would love, I, I think if I had to be an athlete skating, is is was way out of the question uh my pain tolerance though i think is not in question i'd be fine with yeah, the, I, uh, with falling 
I, don't I didn't like have the right mentality though. for that. <clears throat> I just remember, yeah. like, I moved across the country from Ontario to BC in grade nine when I was 13. And I remember there was this girl in my grade nine class that I had a crush on. And I think she had a crush on me, too. But I was also too much of a wuss to do anything about that. And then I remember she would tell me about her, like, hooking up with this skater guy. And... um in my eyes, like coming from the gifted program and being also like a massive fucking nerd, I thought of skaters as like, oh, they're just dumb. They're just like dumb, kind of like din- like dingy, not jocks, like dingy guys. Oh, like I was just burnouts. like, oh, you're yeah, burnouts. I was like, you're hot, uh, you know, and I want to be with you. And I'm like smart and I dress well. I was not dressed well, but in my mind, that's no, what I'm thinking. No. Like, you know. And this guy looks like shit. This guy's fucking smoking weed and he, you know, and then you grow up and you're like, oh yeah, like I get, I understand way of a lot of why she had no interest in me and, or I shouldn't say no interest in me, but like, yeah, we, nothing ever happened between us. But I remember that was sort of my like, ah, maybe I want to be a skater, you know, but um, yeah, I just knew that I could never, I would have never been able to handle the, <clears throat> the, the constant uh, falling and, and, and pain, pain management you know and i think i've told this story on blocked party before but i don't i've told it on this pod of like the worst own i ever got in my life uh because i i used to skateboard like but i would just use it as a method of transportation i never like i could ollie i could ollie up the curb but like that's it so i used to skate starting in like grade 12 i guess i started skating to school and then when i went to university i would use i would skateboard around campus and stuff and um uh, yeah. And I, so I was in grade 12 and I walked by a group of skaters and one of the skaters who was younger than me in grade 11 was like, Hey, do you know how to use that thing? Just <laughs> like, as I was walking by and I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> well, and it was like funny. right after I had bought it. And I was so nervous to buy it because like, I didn't want to be a skater. Like I did, I had no interest in like going to a skate park or like skating around and like grinding rails and shit. I just only wanted to use it to get around because I lived like a 10 minute walk from my school. So I was like, oh, if I could cut that time in half, do something enjoyable, skate to school, that'd be a pretty good place to be. And then, yeah. And then I was so in my head, like, oh, I'm going to buy this skateboard. People are going to make fun of me for trying to be a skater, even though I'm in the IB program and all this stupid shit. And then it was like maybe Irritable a week. bowel program. Yeah. International Baccalaureate. It was like an advanced. Uh, oh, okay. I, I sorry. I, I had to cut you off there. I thought it's you okay. Were you can cut because you off. were in the diarrhea well, I program. I, I I mean, I also I also have been <laughs> in the diarrhea program, the diarrhea program for many years now. Dan's been prim- in it for yeah. Dan has a fucking uh, a, a PhD in diarrhea. Yeah, Dan's That's actually right. Dan's actually a a, a two way member. Both diarrhea and puking. He's he's got the he's got them both going. He's got a, a oh, special. Puking's not bad. Yeah, puking's pretty cool. Like, <laughs> yes, Brian. We do. know about your stance on puking. But anyway, I, I agree with you on that. By the way, Brian. I was. Oh Thank my you. god, Dan! Don't encourage him. But I was like a week. I was a week a week into like owning this skateboard, and then this kid said this to me, and I was like, "Fuck, god damn it!" You know, I, I felt I was so fucking owned. It was just like. Because I didn't really, I wasn't even that good at using it yet. And I was just like, fuck me. Also, but then I just, I, I persevered and I kept using it. And then, yeah, it was a great way to get around campus when I was, uh, no, when I was at it's university. It's a dog shit mode of transportation. For real. Like, skateboarding. It's better than walking. Is, it's fun. Skateboarding is fun. you didn't have a bike? 
I yeah, wasn't a bike or I, I took the bus a scooter. To I can't. I wasn't oh. going to bring a bike on the bus all the way to Vancouver. How long was the trip? I mean, you could have rode hour, the bike, cut hour, out the bus. Hour and 15 minute bus ride, about 45 Jesus. minutes by car. Jesus, Jesus. You went to school far away. We, I yeah, went to six, school right six down years. the street. Six years Riding I commuted that long. Riding a skateboard is so, it's such a funny mode of transportation because it is, I mean, it's exhausting, number one. Number yeah, which two, is good. You can't, if you, you could fall off of it if you hit a fucking pebble on the street. Yeah, you know? I broke my collarbone longboarding. Yeah, well, longboarding, I think, makes a little more sense. I have one of those in the basement because Gwen said I want to be a longboarder. How uh, <laughs> long that last? twice. I <laughs> wrote it twice. <laughs> Decided she didn't want to be a longboarder. <laughs> Um, but I have one in the basement. I never even tried it because I'm afraid now of what happens if I get on wheels. Although, I mean, if I had to say what like you're I afraid of biking at, too, well, I just don't like biking. If I had to say what I was good at, you know, I did rollerblades and roller skates, but yeah, yeah. I, I never lived in a time where you could go around in roller skates and no, people would yeah. just totally goof on you. Goof I on mean, you. It, yeah. <laughs> No, you had there's to be no alive chance. in the 70s. You had well, to be like old, like I, 18 and 1973. <laughs> totally, totally. Well, I played hockey, so I was always a great, like I'm a good skater. And so rollerblades always made sense. But the problem with rollerblades is, yes, number one, you get mercilessly made fun of. Oh, number yeah. two, pardon me, is like they're, you can't carry them around. Like at least with a skateboard, no. you can you can carry it around. Like I'd go into my class and I would just like leave it at the back of the classroom or you could even have it at your feet. Like it's not a skateboard is not a like it's, you know, it's heavy, it's a bit cumbersome, but it's not like it's not a barrier like how an, it, the annoyance of carrying it does not overwhelm the having of it. Whereas with rollerblades, like those things are so heavy. They're so you can't they're they don't fit in anything. There's no backpack that fits rollerblades. There's no so you just got you'd have to carry rollerblades around all day. Like it just yeah, they're not a <clears throat> they're not a good method of of transport for for we that. We had some in the back seat of our car because uh, I would rollerblade. We me and Katie would go to like uh, uh, trails and rollerblade the trail just for right. fun. You know yeah sure uh, um and we did it a few times. So we had them in the car and, and we were yeah, out. So that's getting, fine. Yeah. And we were out getting fucked up one night and, uh, I wasn't drinking cause I don't drink. Right. Uh, but, but Katie we were was driving. Oh yeah. She was shit face, but I didn't have my license. Um, but I had my temps, which is you can drive with another licensed driver in the car. Okay. And, uh, um, so, I'm driving home from this thing to drop her friend off and we get fucking pulled over by the police and I'm the only sober fucking person. Well, I'm high on weed or painkillers or something, but at that time, but no, I was basically sober. Right. You know, yeah. sober For you, that's, judge, that's sober. Say, basically. Percocets. Yeah. Just five or six Percocets. You know, <laughs> that's sober as a judge. It fucking keeps me going. You know, <laughs> I just lock in. Um, so we get pulled over and he pulls me out of the car and he's talking to me. It's a shitty car. It's a 76 Nova. Sure. And uh, 
it's loud and it's shitty looking. It's rusting and falling apart. It was Katie's car. She got it for $500. And um, so the cop pulls me out and I talk to him. And I'm like, he's like, so you have your temps? And I'm like, yeah. And he was like, uh, so who's the licensed driver? And I, you know, this is my girlfriend in the car. This is her car. I'm, I'm driving her home. And I would lean as far as to say that it's not within the spirit of the temps. <laughs> right. Because she's in no, <laughs> she's in no state to help you if you, uh, if you're driving poorly. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So it was I don't think it really acts in in the spirit of temps, but any it's legal. So he can't bust us for it. Sure. Uh he's like, just wait here. And he goes to the car and he's like, You're the licensed driver to Kate. And she's like, Yep. And he's like, Can you come out here, please? She fucking got out of the passenger side and fell down a hill. <laughs> And then stood up and was like, yeah, I'm good. I'm fine. (laughs) And the guy's like, okay. And he had said, hey, is there anything in the car I should know about? They say that, like, just asking if there's drugs or weapons in the car. Yeah, guns. I got a shit ton of guns in here. Well, that's not as bad in the United States as as having drugs. (laughs) Oh, I know. He goes, goes like, do you have any... Katie's frazzled. She gets up and he goes, do you have anything in the car? And her answer for people that get pulled over. Yes or no. Just to answer. Yes or no. You know what I mean? And she fucking goes into, well, there's a Sprite bottle in the backseat, two <laughs> pairs of rollerblades, because me and my boyfriend like the rollerblade. And uh, she started naming everything in the fucking car. And I was just standing there like, just say no. There's none of he's not asking if there are rollerblades in the car. <laughs> Is there anything in there I should know about? Well, me and my husband did go on a nice little rollerblade the other day. Have you yeah. been over to the uh, the trail? It's beautiful. But I I as a kid at 12, 13 years old, there was a skating rink in Columbus that you could uh they did all night skate from 7 p.m. to 7 a.m. Oh. And it was on Friday nights, and there were a lot of girls there, and obviously I, I wanted to be there. It was like a rotating thing. All night skate was one week, but then they did uh, 8 to 2 in the morning, then 8 to midnight, then back to all night skate or whatever it was. And we would go to all night skate, and I would just skate all fucking night. Like, you're supposed to be hanging out with girls and stuff. I would just go smoke 10 cigarettes and then be like, let's go skate. Like, let's do some tricks. Let's go backwards. So I ended up actually getting decent at roller skating. I don't know where I'm at now with it, but I was like able to skate backwards and do the little spinny around and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, it it was really cool because it was a place where they let 12 year olds smoke cigarettes. (laughs) All night. I don't know what uh, world, like the world you grew up in is so different from different from my world in many ways in like in some big ways but then just in some sort of like smaller ways like that just like oh yeah i you know yeah i went uh, I, I went to a roll an all night roller rink so i could smoke cigarettes cuz they didn't care I, if i smoked and get high we would get high before we got there but you weren't allowed to go outside once you came in so right. it was just whatever we could get in our bodies before we got before there. you got in there yeah yeah but there was sure. a pool hall in my neighborhood yeah, I used to play pool. To, 
Oh yeah, I'm pretty good at pool. I do but that. Like we'd go hall. to the pool hall in my neighborhood for sure. There was one in my neighborhood where if you brought a note from your parents, they'd let you smoke at 14 years old. <laughs> that doesn't even make sense. They yeah, had I got, like a, they got this note from like whose parent is writing a note. It's like yeah, yeah. Let like like 99 percent of those notes are not real. Like what oh, is the no. <clears throat> like what are the. What parent is just like, yeah, whatever. Just fucking let him smoke. Who gives a they shit? They would take your picture and put it next to the letter from your parent and like a little book. And if anybody had any question of why this young kid is smoking, they could go back and look at the book and all. Oh, he's okay to smoke. Actually, That is he's- mental. That is fucking <laughs> mental. And that's not even real. It doesn't even matter if your parents <laughs> write you a note. I that's know. not that's not legally binding that you're then allowed <laughs> to smoke because your parents wrote you a note. <laughs> that's wild. That's, I'm trying to remember hey. the name of the pool hall we used to go to because I remember it was very funny. Like I grew up in a very, you know, white collar town, uh, you know, very affluent. You know, I was I, my family was strictly middle class, but the, the, the neighborhood itself was very affluent and there was a pool hall there. <clears throat> And it was like the most tame pool hall like you could possibly imagine. But I remember my dad just having like the biggest, because in his mind, pool hall meant like a smoky opium den where, you know, people are carrying weapons inside pool cues at all times. And yeah, and just like, uh, you know, and it was literally like, yeah, I grew up in a neighborhood where those that doesn't exist. Like it just yeah. simply doesn't exist. And so I remember the first few times I went, my dad had this big issue, like, Oh, you're going to the pool hall. Like, come, you know, come on, you know, or whatever. And then it was just like, after a while he didn't care, but cause nothing ever happened. But I remember it being like a big fight and I was older too. It wasn't like I was, you know, 13 or something like I would have been 17 or 18 and like going to the pool hall. Cause we would go cause they had a snooker table. Like I had a pool table in my house, but they had a snooker table. So me and a friend got into snooker for a while. So we would go there and play <laughs> of snooker. Course you got into and, snooker. Oh, fuck off, Brian. <laughs> I'm just, you got into smoke. You got into smoking cigarettes and doing roller skating. And I got into snooker, snooker? <laughs> drinking Jones, dr- snooker? drinking Jones soda and playing snooker. If you played snooker at the quarter flash game room, uh, Oof, that would that probably wouldn't go well for you. That would have been they didn't have that would have been like rollerblading. That would have been like rollerblading. Yeah. The same thing. Ours this was, guy, ours was called quarter flash because everything was a quarter, and they had right. Mortal Kombat three there. That's honestly why I spent most of my time there. Right, right. But yeah, I think it was, was called where you could play Mortal crazy eights. Maybe I want to say crazy. That eight. sounds like a pool hall. I baby. know it does, but I don't. I but I for some reason I don't think that's right shooters was it called shooters oh, a lot of that's a good shooters. name no it wasn't called oh, shooters it wasn't called there shooters. was one in every town i think it's called shooters, shooters yeah. yeah yeah i mean pool hall is like kind of a uh i think it because my parents were a little weird about it too i don't want you hanging out there and it's like i don't care what you want first of all but you know it was next to the grocery store sure and when my dad would go to the grocery store if he saw us in the window you know when we came home, he never would go in there. I think he was afraid of everybody in there. But right. when he, we'd come home, he would be like, I saw you at the quarter flash today. And it's like, I'm sorry, brother, but I'm going to be there every day. That's what I'm going to do. He called your dad's brother. Yeah. Well, I wish <laughs> it's a safe space. I can smoke there. 
Uh, there's a bunch of juvenile delinquents. Yeah, you may and- not know this, Dad, but you actually wrote me a note telling me I'm allowed to smoke there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, I felt, I think it was that my dad looked at it, I think, as in, like, if I was a teenager, they wouldn't accept me at this pool. <laughs> Right, right. You know what I mean? Where it's like yeah, my dad yeah. is like such a dorky dude sure. that I think he thought I was at risk anytime I was in the pool hall. But I mean, to be completely honest about this, I was probably a decent part of the risk for several other people at the pool <laughs> hall. <laughs> right. That's why I always you were the crazy kids. other parents were worried about. Yeah, because it was so crazy. I had this friend that lived in my same neighborhood. And his mom said, so I lived by, he lived by a school called Dunlow Elementary School. And I lived by Asbury. And it's just, it's, it was a 15 minute walk to get between those two places, maybe sure. a 25 minute walk. It was very, not far. And I remember one day he was like, my mom doesn't want me coming over here by Asbury and hanging out. And it was like, why? And he was like, because she said uh, it's it, there's a bunch of bad people over there doing crime and shit. And uh, I was like, just tell her it's us. We're the fucking bad people doing the crime. Like, you don't have to worry about anything. <laughs> don't worry, Mom. I have a gun. I'm good. I'm doing crime. <laughs> well, no one's I mean, going to bother like, me because I got a fucking gun, Mom. Shut up. It's like there's all these car break ins over there. And it's like, no shit, there are. We're doing it. We're breaking into the fucking cars. <laughs> it's not somebody coming in from out of the neighborhood. I got some I news. I got God. some news for you, Mom. I'm br- I'm breaking into the cars, Mom. I got <laughs> some news. No, Fuck, I leave me alone. To do that. But if he just said, like, oh, you don't have to worry about my safety, those are my friends that are doing right. that stuff. You know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And and like uh, somebody broke into the school and stole their PA system. Yeah, no shit. We did. We <laughs> stole their PA system in the middle of the night. We broke a window. And we climbed into school. That's don't worry about us. We're fine. We're not going to be victims of crime. I promise. If anything, we'll be victims of police. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, look, speaking of being a victim, Brian, I know oh. that you felt personally victimized by uh, by the fact that this album won a poll. Uh, certainly one of the more interesting uh, albums we've ever covered on this podcast that is ostensibly about new metal. I was I was convinced by someone tweeting at the show, uh, Lilac Moon, that Avril Lavigne is new metal. And I said to myself, you know what? If I squint my eyes... She's still not new metal, but whatever. It would be very fun to cover this record. And I put it on a poll just as a joke. Didn't think it would win. Uh, and then it won very resoundingly. So people just want to hear us talk about it. So uh, let's go ahead. I got to say, though, I'm letting this slide in that, like, there are rock songs on this album. Definitely. And I I also, we're going to, we'll get into it. But, like, I think this is easily new metal adjacent. Like you can easily make the case that there's new metal influence on this on this record. So I, I don't think it's insane that we're covering this. It is just definitely funny. Uh, so, yes, the album is Avril Lavigne's debut studio album. Uh, it came out on June 4th, 2002 on Arista Records. And uh, look, it's I'm not telling tales at a school here. One of the most popular albums we've ever covered 
on this show, uh, one of the best-selling and most popular. It's gone seven times platinum in the United States. It's sold 16 million copies worldwide. It's gone diamond in Canada. Uh, it's multi-platinum in the UK. It came out on June 4th, 2002, as I said, but it was recorded for er, over a year because they... The label Arista and Avril could not agree on the direction that they wanted the album to go in. Avril wanted it to be more of a rock record. Arista wanted it to be more of a country record. Um, and they were trying to push her in the direction of, because uh, I guess she was originally discovered singing Faith Hill covers. And so uh, they wanted to push her in the direction of country music, but she was not interested in that. And so anyway, uh, that's why you get a couple songs in this record that are a little heavier, Losing Grip and Unwanted in particular. Those were produced with Cliff Magnus, uh, who was uh, an American rock producer, um, and they were co-written uh, with him and, and produced by him. Uh, but then most of the other songs were co-written by Avril and the songwriting trio The Matrix, uh, who will actually show up on a singles episode that we're going to do later this month. Uh, but yeah, there's a, so that's why there's a couple songs that are a lot heavier on this record and then some that are a lot lighter. Uh, it was sort of a, it seemed to be a push-pull uh, between Avril and the label before they settled on uh, what eventually ended up being Let Go, the album. Uh, it was nominated for a Grammy. It won Avril uh, several MTV Video Music Awards. Uh, she was also nominated for a Teen Choice Award. She won two uh, Juno Awards, which are the Canadian Grammy Awards. She won both Album of the Year and Pop Album of the Year in 2003. And charts-wise, I mean, absolutely incredible. It peaked at number one in Australia, Canada, Ireland, New Zealand, Scotland, and the UK. It peaked at number two in Austria, all of Europe, Germany, Greece, uh, and Switzerland, and the US Billboard 200. Uh, it ended 2002 at number 14 on the US Billboard 200, and it ended 2003. So a full year and a half after it came out, it ended 2003 at number five on the US Billboard 200. It is the number 21 best-selling album of the aughts, according to the U.S. Billboard 200, and also uh, is on the aughts chart in the U.K., coming in at number 40. The first single, Complicated, peaked at number two on the U.S. Billboard Hot 100. The second single, Skater Boy, peaked at number 10. And the third single, I'm With You, peaked at number four on the Billboard top 100 so three singles all making the top 10 she released three more singles from the album losing grip uh mobile and uh, nobody's fool however uh those did not chart uh, nearly as well uh but still uh a very impressive chart performance from this record and brian this is where i will throw it over to you let's take let's take us back to the roller skating smoking 2002 son of a gun brian quinby what was your historical experience with avril lavigne i can't imagine that brian quinby in 2002 enjoyed avril lavigne um no i mean i don't think i hated it as i don't think i gave it i mean it would be so unfair for me to be like i gave it a chance back then and i just it would also be a big fat fucking lie i mean <laughs> i was never gonna listen to an avril lavigne album but i do think maybe in my mind i mean complicated's not like a terrible song although i would say 
maybe I didn't have the words in my mind that uh, could could uh, uh, say it as being cynical. You know what I mean? Like it's a right. cynical album, and I think that's probably what I thought more than anything else is like, wow, this is pretty cynical. Now after listening to it, I I think the weirdest thing about this album is that there is a good portion of it that's basically country music like yeah. like faith hill like you said she she did faith hill songs but she did a, there's a lot of songs on here that i'm like this is just straight up pop country music here uh not the kind of country music i like of course but of course uh, it is pop pop country and rock and punk but i mean this was never going to grab me one for being like the age I was at the time and the time we lived in. And, but like, I don't know, listening to it now is like, I guess it's not that bad, but I I don't know. I don't think I like any there, there is not an album like this in this genre that I like there. There just isn't one. I didn't like pop punk. I fucking hated pop punk. Like they were also enemies of mine, you know. Sad. Uh, Blink one eighty two and shit like that. Like it was just super uncool to like them where I was from. So sure. I didn't like that. So this album comes with almost nothing that I like involved <laughs> in it. You know what I mean? Sure. And like even at the time, I'm older now. So when I listen to it, I'm like, this isn't too bad. And also like. The article, the two of the articles we read were like incredibly nasty to her. Yeah, big time. And um, I think now reading that now, it's like, ah, it's even hard for me to be nasty to her on this show to like, to like be like, ah, oh, it sucks. I don't like it because now I feel bad for her because it's like, well, I mean, she has money and she did marry Chad Kroger, which mm-hmm. actually makes more sense now that I read the articles about the way she was raised. Yeah. Because I was like, why is this? Why is this like she wants to be punk and, and cool? Why is she married to Chad Kroger? Then I found out she's an enormous Goo Goo Doll fans fan, which is. Yep honestly the funniest thing to be a fan of that i can think of. <laughs> well at like, least with chad at least with chad krueger we know he has a huge hog so like at least yeah. there's that too like maybe she's just like a big she just loves a big hog you know they also have that heavy devil went down to georgia cover that like shreds yeah you remember that Man, look nickelback has some good songs i mean i'm not gonna yeah, sit they here take- and- they did. I'm not going to sit here and that, say they don't. I mean, we talked about Nickelback on a bonus episode. I don't think we've really ever addressed them on a main episode before. But yeah, I know someone who dated Chad Kruger for a long time and was his roommate. So I can confirm that he's got a massive hog, just huge. Great just, Peter, just this a guy, just a great Peter, just a big time, just a big rope down hmm. there. So that is, uh, you know, so that's good. I mean, good for her, you know. I think she also went through, she was married to the Sum 41 guy, and then he obviously had a very rough go uh, with addiction issues. And so maybe there was some part of Chad to her that was like safe or stable or something like that. But then she divorced him and now she's marrying some other fucking loser singer guy, Maud Son. So like, I, yeah. so now she's, so she's going back. She's like reverting. She's like, okay, I had Chad for a little bit. That evened me out after I had to go through all the tough times with Derek Wibley. 
now I'm with another sort of pop punky esque kind of guy. That's who I end up wanting to be with. You know. You know what is really a bummer to me. That's um, a bummer. So uh, the what I did was. I Googled Chad Kroger fake nude and there wasn't a single one. It's like, I would think he would be a guy that we would get a fake nude of, but I guess that's just wrestlers. Cause yeah. all that's coming up is fake Avril Lavigne nudes, which is uh, like, which that's, wrong. that's yeah. We don't need to see that. Yeah. yeah Avril, Avril is weird. <clears throat> Avril's weird for me because um, you know, obviously being Canadian, we've talked about this on the show before, but there are Canadian content rules uh, on radio and on much music where they are um, all radio stations. And at the time, much music that was our version of MTV uh, is mandated to play a certain amount of Canadian content. So yeah. if there was we make fun of that down here, of course, if there was Canadian content that was also big in America, then it was like you could never escape it. And and Avril mm-hmm. definitely fit that bill. But here's what I will say. I always liked complicated, like right from the start. The first time I heard it, I was like, this is a this is just a good song. It's just it's catchy. It's good. But also Avril's one year older than me. So in 2002, when this album came out, I was 17. She was 18 and um, she was hot. So it was like you you could kind of like in that era of, you know, we've talked about it a ton on the show where you always had to be sort of concerned about your own reputation uh, in the music sort of realm. You know, you couldn't if you liked Corn and Limp Biscuit and bands like that, you couldn't admit that you liked a pop song or even for you, Brian, like you said, even something like Blink-182, you know, you couldn't just admit that you liked Blink-182. Avril, you could actually admit that you liked because you could just be like, oh, she's so fucking hot, man. You know, she's so hot. So it's fine. It doesn't matter. You could you could get away with listening to it. So I remember um, that was how I kind of got by on listening to Complicated was it was just like, I don't even like that song, but like, I want to fuck her, you know, because you're just a stupid 17 year old boy. And that's what you say. I do think, though, Avril was sort of a gateway for me into liking that type of girl. Like, I think before. Avril and don't get me wrong. Avril is not like we'll see it in the articles. Like they paint Avril as this like extremely, Ooh, I'm a rebellious character. And I dress so rebelliously. And it's like, she's wearing van slip ons and jinkos with like a tank top and a tie. And that was like, Ooh, she's so alt. Like she wasn't alt at all. But I do think Avril was one of the first girls that sort of unlocked that like, ooh, maybe I like hipster girls in my, I mean, they weren't called hipster girls, skater girls, I guess, for lack of a better word. Before that, I was just your sort of like down the middle. Oh, yeah, you wear American Eagle and Abercrombie and Fitch. Yeah, sign me up. Sounds good. Avril was the first girl where I was like, oh, I'm into Avril. Maybe I'm kind of into like these sort of alt girls like, okay, let's go, you know? So yeah, that was it for me. Complicated was so good. Skater boy. I didn't like as much. Um, and then I'm with you just fucking bangs. I mean, we'll talk about, we can talk about that later, but those were the two complicated. And I'm with you from the beginning. I was like, I'm in, I'm all the way in. John's like, I have a crush on her. I didn't like skater boy because she was singing about the boys that make fun of me at school. (laughs) (laughs) It's true. It's so true. I was like, oh, you know, if Avril even lived here, she wouldn't even like me. She would be exactly like the girl I was talking about earlier who who would only hook up with skater boys. 
I mean, I feel like you had the I had the same experience with uh Suicide Girls. Yeah. When I saw that online the first time, I was like, what the hell? You know what I mean? Like, because I grew up, I guess you would. Uh, so, you know, we talked about it earlier in the show. It's kind of like a they called us hoods where I grew up. I don't know okay. what that means, but it was just it's burnouts, hoods, whatever yeah. it is. And like, um, but I, I was also sort of a. Uh, um, this sucks to say every time, a hundred percent of the time. I was kind of a like sort of popular kid. I mean, I do make my living like podcasting. I think I I can I am allowed to say that I'm funny and have a certain amount of charisma. Yeah. And so I was I was never like somebody that was picked on. And I had I would have been into like the cheerleader type girls and shit right. like that. Like right. that's the circles I was running in. And like, so I don't even think I knew there was another kind of girls other than see, there were these girls, there was the drama club kids and they were all into like some of the same music as me, but it just politically didn't work at being seen with a drama club kid. They would, I would get tore up. We called them hippies because I don't <laughs> think we had any other way to name them. It was just like, we knew that hippies sucked. So yeah. we're like, look at these hippies over here. It's it's but weird. Like, Sorry, go ahead. But like, I don't think I was ever. I I don't think like this would have. First of all, I was probably I was too old to like crush on her, which I think could have maybe happened. Honestly, if I was 15, 16 years yeah, old. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Although, like her and I are basically the same age. So it was yeah, like later in the show, you're going to hear somebody that I crushed on like fucking crazy and, and get a better idea. Uh, but like, um, it was, it just, I don't know. It's weird. I don't know how anybody buying this album could be happy with it unless they had never heard music before, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Like but if, I mean, if, but, but genuinely though, like, I think that that, like, we're kind of, it's kind of the same thing we're getting into with like clothes and stuff, right? Like it was like. I I'm thinking back to my high school experience and like even the girls that we would have said were like alt or whatever, didn't dress weird really. Like there weren't like, they kind of still just dressed in like what you could buy at a mall. They just well, might've had like weird makeup or like we didn't have hot topic or anything. So like when right. I say at a mall, I mean like American Eagle, Abercrombie and Fitch, that kind of thing. Like you couldn't, there just weren't options really to have weird clothes. Like I guess a bit, but not like the girls we would have thought of as like weird. It was more like their hair or the way they did their makeup or, <clears throat> you know, or they'd kind of dress like dingy, you know, like they yeah. would just kind of wear like super baggy clothes all the time or yeah. stuff like that. Where we're, or like what we would have said was dingy at the time. Like, so I think that is, I think it's kind of the same thing though with Avril. You're right. Is like, I do actually think it's maybe not that they hadn't heard music before, but it was like all of these girls who dressed the way that everybody told them they had to dress and, and listen to Britney Spears and whatever, whatever. And then like Avril was the first girl where they were like, Oh, you could be like 
you could be famous, but then also kind of look a, like very slightly alt. Like, you, oh, you could yeah. wear a backwards hat. What the fuck? You know, like it was like that kind of thing where, yeah, you look back on it now and you're like, whatever. But this is sort of like pre-internet kind of and pre, you know, that kind of thing where everybody just sort of dressed the same, even if like deep down they were, yeah, listening to different music or doing different stuff. And <clears throat> at least where I'm from, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I can't say that well, for that, everybody, I, but. I did want to say that like, you know, I have an 18 year old daughter that's in high school that, I mean, I think you would describe as alt. She does. She's into like, you know, a lot of the music she's in, she's into like the, uh, you know, uh, fucking the pixies and, and, uh, um, you know, old punk and stuff like that. She's actually reading meet me in the bathroom nice, right now. And Great then book. after that, she's reading, please kill me because those are like the band she's in. She likes the stroke. She likes, she likes like a lot of that stuff. Sure. Sure. Uh, whatever that Dacus lady is, she Lucy criticized Dacus. me for saying I didn't know who she was. Yeah. Did you, did um, you tell Gwen that I, that I said that I knew her? Uh, I told her that a lot of people said they knew her. I don't think I told her you, but I will tell her. John knew. Okay, yeah. John knew Lucy tell Dacus. Her, tell her that I, I like Lucy Dacus and I love Boy Genius. But <laughs> she wears Lululemon leggings and just a regular ass shirt to school. Like a, 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 she wears a an sweater ass shirt? or... No, like a sweater or yeah, like yeah, an yeah. old sweatshirt that she bought at the thrift store and stuff like that, but nothing sure. crazy. You know what I mean? And her friends the same way. I, I, they just went to the Lego store with me, her and her friend. Um, because I got to go buy the roller coaster, the loop yeah. roller. Coaster. Congratulations. Yeah. I know it was a hundred dollar set, which yeah. is the most expensive one I have, but I only paid $168 for it. Yeah. Cause you had, I, you had gift cards gift cards and VIP points and shit. So, uh, I, I, they went with me to buy it and her friends, the same way favorite musicians, Patty Smith and right. like is into like all this really cool stuff, but they dress like normal, like everybody else. I think that is a high school. Yeah. I think that's a high school thing. Young teen thing. Nobody wants to, I thought I was like, I thought I was a little out there when I was in high school. But when I think about it now, it's like I'm wearing Jinkos and like a flannel or a hoodie or a metal bands T-shirt, which when you think about that now, it's like, well, everybody was wearing really baggy pants and wearing a corn T-shirt in 1996, 97 was probably a little weird, but still, it's just a T-shirt. People weren't like making fun of me. For for wearing well, one guy did call me Squirrel Boy because uh, I wore a corn shirt. He said apparently squirrels <clears throat> eat corn. Is it because uh, you always had nuts in your mouth? Anyway, look, I'm sorry, we can cut that. Yeah, I was out sucking want, on nuts all day did. in school, <laughs> just really fucking gobbling on nuts. <laughs> but uh, you did do the cummy cock joke earlier, so I was like, oh, I did, I did. So she goes, she. So yeah, they teenagers don't really want to step out yeah i mean you know you're thinking about like you know my kid listening to like phoebe bridgers or or tame impala or like all these artists that tyler the creator like i bought her a pair of golf sweatpants and she's like never wore them not one time like 
and and just i think that like i remember when i bought her the supreme shirt back in god it was back when i toured vegas so it'd be 2018 2019 um she wore it to school once and somebody accused her of having a fake shirt she never wore it again she never wore that shirt so like People aren't, it's hard to tell what my, my point is, it's very hard to tell who's alt at that age. Yeah, totally. And that's what I mean. Like, I I think, I think Avril sort of gave girls that excuse of like, then too, you didn't even have to dress it. You could just say like, you could wear an Avril Lavigne t-shirt or you could say like, I listened to Avril or whatever. And I think it probably gave an outlet to those people. And, And like, yeah, I can remember we had one guy. One, like my graduating class was 460 kids and we had one guy and his real name was Jonathan, but he went by Dax and, uh, (laughs) he just dress. I don't know why. And I love guys like that. Yeah. And he, and he was super nice guy. Like him and I got along because we actually both were new students to the school at the same time, but he wore like, he wore like an army fatigue jacket with like safety pins all in it and chains. And he, you know, he had like that kind of look and he wore, and he wore skinny jeans and combat boots. And he, you know, would talk about how he listened to bands like Stormtroopers of death and, you know, stuff like that. Like he'd have those like band logos patched on his jacket and shit and he'd spike his hair and he always had, you know, and that was it. He was like the one guy in the entire school. And like, I can't even imagine having the guts to do that. Like, I know. He, you know, being like 14 years old. And yeah, like my grad class was 450 or 460. My school was like 1800 kids. And we had one, one kid in the whole school that you were like, oh, that guy listens to metal and he does like crazy, you know, he might be into some crazy shit outside of school, you know, and there were, I'm sure there were other kids that listened to metal, but you I would mean, have no I, idea. You wouldn't know that from seeing them. Like, I'm not, I'm not sure the actual numbers, there's less than 150 kids in Gwen's school. I think maybe there's two, 250. It's a small, okay, small crazy. school. And, uh, there was a kid there that, because, you know, she was coming up all through, uh, the SoundCloud rap era. That's when she was growing up when, when she was starting high school, that was going on. And there was a kid at her school that went by Lord beef and, uh, tried to dress like the SoundCloud rappers or whatever, but didn't really pull it off. And I think he's. I think we actually saw him when she went to uh, her college. He, he, he went to college uh, at the school. One of the schools Gwen wanted to go to, we went to a tour and she saw him a couple times. And like, I just remember it even for her being like, so out of the, out of this world that a person would put themselves out there enough to be Lord beef. And I'm the same way. I don't think, I don't think I've, I've, I've thought a lot about like, what if I had started doing stand up when I was 22 or something like that? Like, what if, where would I be if I had put in all that time and really worked hard, but I never in this world thought like stand up was something I could do. And I thought it was a fucking thing. Weirdos do, which it is technically, but definitely, I I just thought it. it was. Yeah, I just thought it was a thing that weird people, weird, lucky people that know how to do it do, you know, and it was the idea 
of of I don't know doing the talent show and doing stand up, telling jokes in the talent show, just was mortifying to me. I could never put myself out there like that, and that lasted until fuck the first time I did stand up. I think I was like thirty three years old, or maybe younger, maybe thirty. But it it was just that thing where it was like I I I took me till my thirties to be willing to say, I think I want to do comedy. <laughs> yeah. Like, it just totally. feels, it, it, it just, so it is cool that she may have inspired a bunch of kids to be somewhat what they want to be. But also, I mean, the album, the lyrics are some of the lyrics are very fucking weird. There's a fried chicken butt song. Is that fried chicken ass? Fried chicken ass. Yeah. yeah. Well, she talks about how she doesn't, she got fired from a job and, uh, and yeah, that, and then she follows it up by saying she got fired by a fried chicken ass. I think it's in anything but ordinary, I think is the song that it's in. Yeah, um, it, it was such a weird lyric that stood out to me all three times I listened to it. I listened to the, this is the first album I've listened to three times in a very long fucking time. Because usually, actually, no, I, it's I not anything it. but ordinary. I can't remember what song it's in, but yeah, Avril Lavigne, Fried Chicken, Oh My World. Oh yeah, that's right. Because she's world. talking about Napanee, uh, Ontario. Like she actually shouts out her home, uh, her hometown in the song, which makes me really laugh. Uh, what a kind lot. of town is Napanee? 5,000 people, like small town, small town, like nothing. Yeah. She said, grew up in a 5,000 population town, made my money by cutting grass, got fired by a fried chicken ass all in a small town, Napanee. And then she actually references it in one of the articles. We, the only, I think maybe it wasn't one that I actually pulled for this, but it was one of the ones that it was like a retrospective article and she was just like, yeah, I just kind of like wrote what was ever going on in my head. And then I, she's like, I think I, you know, I talked about some guys like, oh yeah, here we go. It's in the Guardian article. This is from May of this year where she's looking back on the 20 year anniversary of Let Go. And she said, <clears throat> I wrote this album right when I got out of high school. And now I get to hear these lyrics of me talking about my small town and my obsession with skater boys, she says. Even things like in my world, I literally talk about the fact that I got fired by a fried chicken ass. I worked for at a fried chicken chain. It's hilarious. I look back at those lyrics and I'm like, I can't believe I said that in a song. It is funny, though. That's cool. And, and like to me now, like, right. Because you know what teenage girls go through in the workplace, too, especially in fast food and stuff like that. I mean, if you don't know, a bunch of older guys hit on them and, and are nasty. All Like, it's just to the... that My daughter didn't get a job until she was 18 because I told her I'd rather just give her money than have these creepy guys hitting on her and stuff like that. Um, so, I'm, I bet she probably feels bad about it. The Avril saying fried chicken ass because she's calling a person out specifically, but, yeah. and also, you know, it's not well to make fun of people who make fried chicken for a living. I'm sorry. Definitely. That's wrong. Because in 2002, you, know, you could get away with saying fried chicken ass, but you couldn't in 2022. That's for sure. No, they would cancel you. And you would can't, you'd be they, canceled. 
You wouldn't uh, remember my remember my trainer, my physical trainer last year. Gwen never forgets that is that he told me if I did a podcast, I'd be canceled right away. Yes, right. And yeah. I just wanted to be like, what were you? Go- what would you? Well, say? Yeah, exactly. How do you know that about yourself? What? Um, I would what do you think? No, like has Gwen? Speaking of of her, just because we're on the topic, has she heard Avril? Like, does she is she aware of who Avril is? Like, because. It does seem to me like this this album, listening to it for this, it, it felt to me like it's 20 years old, but it doesn't feel like a lot of the current uh, articles about Avril talk about how she's like inspired, you know, Olivia Rodrigo and Billie Eilish. And, and you know, I, I think you can definitely hear it a little more in, in Olivia Rodrigo than Billie Eilish. I mean, particularly um, Deja Vu. Uh, you know, but that's basically an Avril Lavigne song, but um, <clears throat> this album still sounds pretty current. Like I, I would not be surprised at all if a current teenage girl picked up this album and, and really liked it. I, you know, she just as a teenage girl that got into the pixies pretty young, <laughs> right? Uh, it just was never going to happen with her. I don't know. Right. I don't know how she got into the cure and the pixies and, all of that music. It's not stuff that I listen to a uh, joy division. Like she was into right. that kind of stuff. So this was a, a very young. Gotcha. I, I, I mean, she, I mean, weirdly is pretty cool. Like I never pushed that stuff on her. Cause as I've said in the past, it's a fool's errand. You can't make your kids like the stuff that you like. It's not possible. And you're also it's, lame. So I'm fucking badass. <laughs> My kid does not like corn, though, and she doesn't like like. Uh, uh, I mean, she likes. What about Deftones? The... What about Deftones? No, but she likes the garage rock that I'm into. Sure. She she like likes King Con and and that kind of stuff. The stuff she grew up hearing around the house because I was going through a really big. Uh, I was going through a really big garage rock phase. She also very funny has a dad dad something. She said it's mute. She has a playlist. I wish people could see her playlist. I would love to put them up because they are so good. Uh, she calls it her something dad playlist, but not for me. She and the description under it says for when I feel like a 55 year old man. And uh, it's like the cars and uh, 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 what what is what was really funny on there? Because it's like the cars. It's got uh, a a. Fucking life is a highway. It's oh, got great song. Tom Cocker. It's no, not a good one. But it's got like <laughs> life is a highway. It's got all the songs you would think about a fifty-five-year-old sure, man. Yeah, yeah, would like the Eagles. And then it has Weezer. You know, shit like that. Say it. Oh, ain't Weezer. So. It does oh, have God. the Eagles too. And yeah. I was just like, fuck. Weezer is just class. It's straight up yeah. classic rock. Ninety-four, 100%. man. Nineteen ninety-four. Yeah. It's crazy. I know. We're but old. It's weird as fuck. to see them. It's weird to hear say it ain't so between like life is a highway and, uh, uh, you know, peaceful, easy feeling. Or yeah, totally. Totally. But, but yeah, yeah. I mean, I don't think that this was ever going to be for her or for me, but I, I, I was, so in 2002, I was out of high school. So I don't think I ran into any people that were into Avril Lavigne, you know, we goofed about skater boy and stuff like that with my friend. Like that was a funny song to us sure. growing up. So there was that, but I think I really did see this as a record label capitalizing on popular rock music 
Um, and also, I think I also one one of the things I had thought about after the after listening to it was like this feels like um this this feels to me like the end of rock music being cool like now is the time where they've decided like i think we can make i think we can just and and this has been the case forever it was just in this time it was me seeing like they're trying to glom off of not corn and stuff but like people that were into like punk and blink 182 i think i saw it as like this is this is just made for like green day people that might like green day you know what i mean to get into a pop album that's popular um yeah but yeah she didn't exist in the time of poptimism either so i i hate to say anything really mean about it because people were mean about it like yeah it wasn't like people were nice to her because she Definitely was doing not. a rock album and in in the world was geared for weird I mean, it's patriarchy stuff but it was like there was no way this teen or 20 year old girl was writing these songs that was and there's no way she would never be this is somebody else doing this and there's not a possibility that this is her she's she doesn't know anything about playing guitar she doesn't know anything about being in a rock band as if you have to know that stuff to be a singer in a band but she had like such a higher hurdle to climb because yeah. it is sort of unfair to group her in with uh um with Britney Spears and um Christina Aguilera it's different types of music um, almost entirely really well, it is a rock album and it is a country album is the way that i see it well in sorry she could have made a good living as a country artist Definitely. for sure Definitely. So it is even stepping out of that. It's like those country songs on here. If she had like one of those as a hit, she would have been made for life. Like those people are so loyal. Well, I mean, complicated you know? is so country adjacent, right? Like there's just like a couple things you'd have to fix on or not fix, but change on complicated. And it's a country smash, right? Like it's not hard to imagine. And I think it's funny. Like, you know, you talking about her sort of, yeah, no one sort of believes that she wrote any of this shit. And it's like, yeah, number one, that doesn't really matter. But then number two, like that is part of Taylor Swift's like entire mythos, right? Like that's her entire origin story is like she was writing her own songs when she was 15. And and I know that Taylor also went through a little bit of the like, oh, well, how much of these songs does she actually write? But like for the most part, you know, Taylor Swift didn't come along too long after Avril, you know, only about five or six years after. And people were just like much more ready to accept this idea of, pardon me. Oh, teenage girls can, can write music and can do their own thing. And then obviously, yeah, we see with like Billie Eilish and, and Olivia Rodrigo and, you know, the whole Willow Smith and, and that whole kind of, you know, sort of teenage movement that's happening now um teenage girl movement happening now it's just like yeah it is bizarre to think that you would be an adult music critic uh writing about an 18 year old girl's album and your first thought is like i gotta i gotta set about 
making sure everybody knows that this fucking bitch did not write this shit. You know, like it's just, it's bizarre. We'll get into the articles in a bit. I, I want to talk about the album a little more because, um, none I mean, of that. I, sorry, go ahead. The writing stuff though, honestly, John, it's, it, it is the era of optimism that got us past that because yeah. not writing your own songs was just, it was an insult that was used like for sure for, for when I was younger, it's like if I found out that somebody else helped Jonathan Davis write lyrics, that'd be the end. I'm not. No, this is bullshit. You can't. Yeah. You can't. He's a traitor. Have, He's a fraud. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then you don't even think about the whole history of pop music has been people writing songs for other people like that to the point where like Bob Dylan, his gimmick was that, oh, my God, this guy writes his own songs. You yeah. know, so it's the whole history of the fucking business that she's in that that this happens, you know, that people write songs for and shit like that. So, yeah, it just uh, uh, it's really unfair to to pick pick her as like the poster child for fucking people that don't write their own songs when, you know, nobody's writing their own fucking songs, you know, yeah, Linda yeah, Perry's totally. writing all the everybody's songs. <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's. Yeah, this this record is funny to me, too, because in a lot of the articles, it talks about how Avril wanted to go in her own direction. And and they the two songs they point to, which I mentioned earlier, as the sort of direction Avril wanted to take the record were losing grip and unwanted. And I think those are the two best songs on the record. So it's funny to me that, like, if it's true that, you know, even if you take in all of this about, oh, she wrote with this person, she didn't write with this person, blah, 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 blah. Like those two. And she talks about how she liked working with Cliff Magnus, who did those two songs with her because he let her do whatever she wanted. Like he was kind of a little bit more of a true producer where he was like, you do these things. And, and she wrote mobile with him as well. And, uh, and new and my world and too much to ask. My world and too much to ask are maybe not my favorite songs on the record, but mobile also a great song. Um, <clears throat> so it's funny to me that like the, the direction she wanted to take it in is to me the much more interesting direction. And I think we can all agree complicated and I'm with you are massive songs and, and they deserve to be super popular and all that stuff, whatever. But it's just like, it's funny to me that if we're trusting everything that's being said, it seems like Avril's instincts pointed her in the direction where I would have liked personally her music the best. Um, you know, I just think that those are the more interesting songs on the record. That said, the first four songs on this album, I mean, it's like as strong of an opening as almost anything we've covered on the show. Like, it goes like, I love this era of like, yeah, we just put all the singles right up top and just have have a good time like you go losing <laughs> grip into complicated into skater boy into i'm with you i mean it's just an incredible run of songs they're just makes they're it, so good go ahead makes Brian, it harder wanna... to review though john i in my <laughs> opinion like because those first four songs you you hear these songs and i like the first four too and yeah. uh, uh but like everything else is wholly un nothing to me 
Like I, oh, I see, just, I don't agree it, with that either. It's but. kind of the rest of it. I just was kind of like, I don't know, man. Like I listen to Faith Hill or something if I if I want this. But again, like it, this is an album so not made for us. You know what I mean? Like we're not even a thought. I mean, it's maybe made for me because I like it a lot. <laughs> but but yeah, no, I know what you I know what you're saying though. Like I think too. Like for me, it's a very th- it's a three tier album. So I think you've got the first four songs, all bangers, all songs everybody knows, and songs that I think in 2022 almost hit harder because you don't have the baggage of mm-hmm. being in 2000, especially as a man, you know, who who you know came up in that sort of toxic era of, um, you know, I, I can only like heavy shit and I can't be seen as you know a a, a wimp who listens to an 18 year old girl sing about skater boys. So it's even That's better over now. <laughs> well, no, I guess I not. think you're a wimp for liking it. Is, oh, that's is, fine. Okay. Fair. Yeah, I, you're well, I, I'm, I am a wimp. I mean, there's no question about it. But. Oh my God. There's no bigger wimp in the world. I mean, True. it's funny that you use the word wimp because it's such a wimpy word. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck off. So the first four songs are amazing and great. And then I think the next three are very good as well. Mobile, Unwanted, and Tomorrow. Tomorrow's kind of a more acoustic-y ballad, but I think it really works. And then I would say the rest, the next six songs, are all sort of like whatever. You know, they're they're decent. I think there's a couple decent ones in there. I think Anything But Ordinary is fun. That's the song where... Um, no, Things I'll Never Say is the song where she makes it sound like she's saying she wants a guy to go down on her. Uh, but she says down on one knee, but she says it really fast. So it sounds like I want you to go down on me, um, which rocks. Have, the, the way she's talking in the interviews is they were really pushing that she's and which sucks because she was drinking and having fun. And this person's writing this article and is like, uh, I don't think she was really having fun. Yeah. Like in a weird oh, yeah. way, like <laughs> yeah. almost accusing her of doing it for show. It's like fuck. Can this can this girl do fucking anything? <laughs> you know? Totally, totally. But yeah, no. There's some fun. There's some like fun songs in there. Like I, I, I don't think it's bad. Like listening to the back half of the album wasn't like a tor- wasn't a torture exercise for me. I just think yeah, it doesn't quite compete with the first seven tracks. But I mean, I think it's it's stronger than I thought it was going to be. And I'll also say. You know, I'm listening to it and I'm like, God, I can't believe we're about to cover this on a new metal podcast. This is so stupid. You know, this isn't really new metal. But then, Brian, and I'm sure you loved this track, you get to Nobody's Fool and Avril Lavigne is rapping. And that, that I is like. where that is where I was like, okay, confirmed. This is a new metal album. Losing Grip and Unwanted are both heavy and she raps. So this is it. The rapping um, is great. The rapping is so fucking funny too. You know what? You know what's fucked about it? It sounds so much like custom. Like it's so much. Maybe she knows like, it. Maybe like, and this is, Hey, Mr. Is obviously a piece of shit song, but custom released another song that their other single was called beat me. And I talked about that when we did the custom episode on the bonuses. And, um, this song sounds so much like beat me. It's crazy. The custom album and the Avril album came out in the same year. So I, I can't imagine there's crossover there and they're not from the same place. Custom is from Alberta. Avril's from Ontario, but like, man, I couldn't believe how similar it was. And I know that like custom was kind of copying like cake and Beck 
And, you know, so like Avril Lavigne's kind of probably doing the same, but man, when she starts rapping, it fucking rules. And that's the way it has to be, honestly, because creativity could never bloom in my room. I'd throw it all away before I lie. So don't call me with a compromise. Hang up the phone. I got a backbone stronger than yours. How did she get talked to? I I guess like I (sighs) that song weirdly felt like an Avril song like. Because I don't think anybody would tell her to rap, John. No, I no, no, no. I wouldn't. I don't think that there was anybody in this process that was like, you should fucking do a little rap. Do a little rap. Too. That would be, yeah, just do a little rap. You know, people, rap's hot right now. Do a little rap. And uh, she did it. I think she wanted to do a little rap and she saw it as a song that she wrote and it's a good time. Uh, but it was very funny to see her trying her hand at rapping oh, in a song. It, so it, good. And it was just, it's such a jumbled, weird album anyway. Like it almost feels like a hedge for the record label in that, okay, if Skater Boy doesn't, we can either go this pop country way. Or we can go pop music, like actual, just like Britney Spears, shit like that. You know what I mean? We could go that direction or, or we could go this, this other almost, almost pop punk direction. There were like three ways. So there's, there's enough songs to release singles, no matter which way they market this album. And, and like, uh, when you get, that's why I said, I can't imagine somebody would like it. Because it's all different shit. I mean, honestly, it's not that bad. I'm not saying I can't see why somebody wouldn't like it. I guess I should rephrase that and say, I can't believe people in 2002 were like, I can't believe there was a lot of people that were into it. Now, I doubt there were. I, I think, I think people bought the album, listened to Skater Boy and Complicated and, uh, uh, you know, over and over again. And that was probably basically it. I don't think people listened to the whole album because I just can't imagine somebody liking all of these songs. They're so different from each other. Yeah, they're really different. There's there's like, there's some songs on here that <clears throat> really remind me of Alanis Morissette. I think there's like a big uh, Alanis Morissette influence on Avril for sure. Um, there's definitely like a couple times where she's kind of trying to be almost like one of the, one of the nineties sort of like alt Chanteuse type, uh, like your Tori Amoses and your Liz fairs. And, you know, there's definitely like, I think she's trying to be like a little bit sort of raw and vulnerable in a way that they were, um, which I think is sort of interesting. <clears throat> there was a, a, an artist that never really got big. But she had a song in Mean Girls and uh, like on the Mean Girls soundtrack and and had a little bit of traction for a minute called Katie Rose. And I hear a ton of what they tried to do on Katie Rose's album on this Avril Lavigne album as well. Like it's clear that there was a sort of market for these kind of like vaguely alt like if pop artists are at 12 o'clock this these artists are at like 1202 it's like just a little bit off the off the path of of being normal um you know of being like sort of normal pop to kind of capture a new audience and it was funny to think about like that's clearly how they also marketed this Katie Rose girl um 
And uh, the song's called Overdrive, by the way. It's a great song. Uh, but uh, but yeah, that's kind of the, you know, it's funny to me to sort of hear that it does seem like pop was sort of trying their hand at creating a few of these artists um, at the time. And I think that it's obvious. And I, I agree with you, Brian. Like, I'm, I'm sure that, you know, people who liked this at the time, I don't think that this entire album would be something they'd say like, Oh, this, this, you know, this whole album changed my life. Like, I think it's a lot of, ah, there's some pretty good songs on it, but it wasn't. Yeah, the whole, it's not, the whole thing. that's not like even wrong or anything like that. Especially like when you talk about a first <clears throat> album situation, you know, like yeah. when you're, when you're saying a first album, it's, it's perfectly normal for somebody to find their way. I don't know where she ended up after this but uh uh it's not rare for you to just try a bunch of different things on your first album and then on your second album you make the decision i think and and that might have been what we were also seeing here now yeah i mean i would say her set so her second album's called under my skin uh it didn't do as well i would say it leaned more into the skater boy direction than the complicated that was direction hit, though is what i would you know say. yeah that was the biggest hit from this album right i guess complicated might be actually a bigger hit but uh uh, uh yeah yeah it is in yeah, theory right? it, it peaked higher on the hot 100 but yeah 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 so it's <clears throat> it's a uh, uh it yeah it's not a bad album at all but it's not like i'm also good you know this is going to be the weird. This is the weirdest one for me. I mean, look, I'm going to be straight up. I listen to this album three times, but I'm also going through major life shit right now. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like I I was like really paying attention and trying to figure out how I felt about a lot of the songs. But my brain is also just like I said, I haven't. Well, I didn't say this on the show, but I haven't really eaten real food in two days, and I'm just, I'm, I'm on one right now. I'm on. I'm You're on, on one, one of my patented Brian nervous streaks, where you just go crazy for about a week or two, and then hopefully you get back to normal after that. But like, yeah, I, I think my biggest impression was like, you know, this could never be bad. Like, because it has too much stuff on it that is, that has too much stuff. On, like, again, I like complicated. I'm, yeah. I honestly would say complicated I like more than a lot of songs by bands that I like. <laughs> totally. It's a fucking great it gets, song. It's a, it's a yeah. classic hit song for a reason. But it, I couldn't build a kind of, it's hard. Because, like, you, I don't know. The, the albums that I know and can talk about extensively are generally things I've heard thousands of times or hundreds of times, or even, you know, over years, listen to it. I'm like, Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. There's this, that. And, um, so I liked complicated skater boy, fried chicken ass and, uh, uh, that kind of stuff. So, so like, I think I'm Avril rock music fan. Yeah. And also, I I do before we before we even move on, the album cover to this is so fucking funny to me. <laughs> I, I was looking at it, and I was like, "Wait a minute, is this um 
is this Alice in Chains font? Like at first I thought it was Alice in Chains font, which I thought was so funny, but it looked more closer to like a mix between Alice in Chains font and corn font. Yeah, it looks like issues. Looks like the issues font. It's such a funny font choice for this because it is like a fucking this is rock. This is this is rock. Yeah. Make sure you listen to this. It's fucking rocking. (laughs) It's rock, baby. This is rock music. It's not the Um, worst. I'm I, I want to say it's not the worst album cover we've ever had. No. It's not bad. It's just uh uh it's good shit, you know. Yeah. Yeah, it's um, good. Okay. Well, speaking of well, we've we've referenced the articles, some not some not good shit. Uh let's get into them. We've got <clears throat> a few a few different ones. I've pulled two Rolling Stone uh articles. Uh, there was one sort of like right after the album came out that's a little bit shorter, and then they did a full profile of her in March of 2003. There's also a Washington Post profile of her, and then there's the Guardian one I talked about, which is her sort of 20-year retrospective looking back. And then uh, maybe we'll dabble a little bit in the uh, Avril Lavigne conspiracy theories. Uh, so, Brian, do you want to kick us off? We can start with the first one. This is from Rolling Stone, August 8th, 2002. Uh, It's written by Gavin Edwards, and the title of the article is Avril the Teen Pop Slayer. And the lead is, she's 17, Canadian, likes to fight, and gets thrown out of clubs. So, uh, uh, first of all, she, she, that is... I mean, almost everything I want to talk about is the Rolling Stone articles. We can talk sure. about the uh, the conspiracy theory, which is just a goof. It's like it's so uh, funny. Uh, uh, yeah, but it's like, uh, what's another one that's like that? It's like the real Ultimate Warrior died, and they right. replaced him with a new Ultimate Warrior. Dan smiles like I know that one. Ultimate Warrior. He's my favorite wrestler, and I loved his politics. Whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> <laughs> but uh i just thought like i i just felt like like uh, uh the articles the rolling stone articles which a liberal magazine too it was very weird for me to it that's been a big weird thing that i have been learning over the time of doing this podcast is that rolling stone is not a liberal magazine in any fucking way in no. any way the way they talked about music maybe it's separate from the matt taibbi stuff which uh, but like maybe it's different editorial departments or something but man they just how many when you're when you're a fucking dude it's like isn't it crazy how much pussy you're getting? Like that is like every article yeah. for when you're a dude. Now <clears throat> and, they're, and they're wrecking shit. They're wrecking shit. It's always like you're getting a ton of pussy. You're getting fucking fucked up and you're trashing the hotel rooms. Yeah. Oh, you get on the fucking bus and you go crazy and you get all these chicks and you're, you're fucking all those pussies and then you're fucking throwing some shit around and you're throwing your shit in a bag out of the window. Isn't that fucking cool? Avril Lavigne goes out and parties and they're like, I think she's just partying to show us that she can party. You know what I mean? Um, I don't know the order, like all my things are from. Uh, Rolling Stone pieces, sure, but sure. I I would like to well, say. Well, let's start. Let's start with this. The very first paragraph of Avril the Teen Pop Slayer, I think, kind of sets it all up. And then Brian, you can get into whatever you have. That's it. 
<clears throat> it says, uh, Britney Spears set the model for teenage girls who top the charts. Flash lots of cleavage, but be devout and polite. Then there's the Avril Lavigne approach, more rock delinquent than juvenile virgin whore. The other night, I got into three fights, says Levine. I was at a club, and some girl was giving me attitude. When people are drinking, they get mouthy. She pushed me, and I got her down on the floor. Security came, and because I was on top, they threw me out. Levine's management has warned her that if she gets arrested and deported from the United States, it might be fatal to her career, which is off to a fast start with the single Complicated. This is such a perfect opening Rolling Stone paragraph We've covered Rolling Stone articles on the show so many times. It's perfect because number one, it's extremely misogynistic and offensive to women. And number two, it features a story that is 100% made up and absolutely did not happen, uh, which is I, our favorite two things that happen in Rolling Stone articles. Well, that was what I wanted to say is that uh, uh, as an expert in people who lie, because I love liars. That is the most lying story. Like, why would you print that other than they're trying to humiliate her through the through the whole thing? You know, oh, it was impossible. Totally. So let me print this fucking lie so people read it. And, you know, truthfully, I'm sure a lot of younger girls read it. But by the way, Rolling Stone isn't a magazine for young, young girls or women or teenagers anyway. No. So. They know that they have to come on there and fucking beat up on her for their for their audience, you know? Oh, totally. Um, That's what they want. They want the 40-year-old man reading it to be like, yeah, this Avril Lavigne is a is a punk ass bitch. And she lies. She's a liar, which she is a liar. That's true. <clears throat> that is a lying story because I, I just think like there's no way. You're, there's just no wins. way. Nobody wins three fights in a row, number one. That just, you can't. I mean, it's just pure. You would be, she's got to be the most badass, toughest person in the world to go to a club one night and win three fights. Like, it just, you get your ass kicked. It just happens. Sometimes you get beat up. It's just the way the world works. But, like, also, listen. Who'd she get in a fucking fight with? Paris Hilton? That she's the one that got kicked out of the fucking club? You know, get the fuck out of here. And and I love that little thing about she'll get deported or whatever. Deported, yeah. Her, her management's like, ooh, Avril, you gotta stop fighting in clubs. You're gonna get deported. So there is a lot of, of, of you know, label shit, fucking around and, and stuff like that in this article. There's definitely labels, hands in in every piece of what she she has done. And and you can tell that they're they're selling a because they can't they don't want to sell the pardon pardon the term the whore. They don't want her to be the whore. They're selling this to people who who she was never going to go the extina direction you yeah, know when she's the when, anti yeah 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 so they had to sell it like well she's still because she's rock she still seems dangerous she has to seem some sort of dangerous, dangerous. yeah for sure so for sure. this was their attempt at saying like hey i mean i'm sure the label told her like just tell some stories that make you sound rebellious and then avril an 18 year old girl was like yeah i got into three fights and it kicked me out of the club it was fucking crazy yeah, 100%. So, 
Yeah, no, totally. Yeah. And it was just like, for sure, that really, uh, th- this is another story that's like, I mean, it's maybe true, but it's also just like a way, uh, again, of sort of pitting Avril against those artists. Uh, Levine calls me at 8.30 a.m. from a hotel room in Orlando, Florida that is not her own, functioning on two hours sleep before she gets on a plane to Europe. So that's also funny, too. Whose room was it? She's like, oh, I'm just in my manager's room right now. And then the guy writes it. So it's like, she fucked last night. She was fucking having sex. Uh, She tells me what happened last night when she performed at a radio station showcase. When she mocked some of the other participants, such as O-Town and Aaron Carter, RIP, for lip syncing their sets, the organizers tried to pull the plug on her. I cursed out the station and it turned into a tiny riot. After the show, she was thrown out of her hotel for making too much noise, she says. I had to run across the hall and sneak into the guy's room. I fucking hate cops, man. They're so dumb. Some of them are awesome. Others just want to get people in trouble. I fucking love that. I hate cops. They're so fucking dumb. But some of them some are, of them are awesome. pretty some of them are pretty sick actually. They're, I mean, they're doing good I guess stuff. if you're her you yeah, probably you can't, you can't fully go all cops could. are Oh uh, no, not post 9/11 actually. We're talking about a thing from 2002. If like, you know, very famously the strokes had to take New York City cops off their debut album because it was uh they said they're not too smart which it's like nobody's ever thought cops are smart they're some of the dumbest of our people <laughs> yeah for know? sure for sure get the fuck out of here with that <laughs> but uh i do also i i like i almost got kicked out of a hotel they're not kicking avril lavigne out of a fucking hotel it's just not gonna happen but I guess they're saying her saying that makes it seem like she's going nuts. I mean, I think the thing that, but I think it's different actually. What is the legal drinking age in Canada? 19. Or is it different? 18 19. or 19? Yeah, well, it's, yeah, 18, so the, it's 18 in Alberta and Quebec and 19 in the rest of Canada. So I found that interesting that they were very fascinated with her taking shots and shit and drinking beers. It's like, well, it's legal where she's from. There's no, like, what is this, this, like, she's drinking and it looks like she's, uh, I mean, the, it's the other article that was nasty. Yeah, the um, other article is much more nasty, so we can switch over to that one. So, like we said, I, I think this is interesting, too, because the so this is the first article, Let Go comes out in early 2002 or June 2002 or May, whatever. Then this article comes out in August, and it's literally just a, like, Avril is... Uh, mean and she fights and she drinks and she fucks and whatever. And it's just a quick slice. Like the article's really only like six paragraphs long. Mm-hmm. It's very short. Mm-hmm. And then <clears throat> we get into the full profile. So this is almost a year later. This is in, uh, in March or so I guess it's about eight months later in March of 2003. And the title of the article is, uh, this is written by a woman also, which is, I know. Uh, which Blue is my rough. I think a pretty famous one. Too. Yeah, I think Je- I've Jenny, heard of her stuff. Jenny Aliskew. Yep, she's uh, a I very well known Rolling this Stone wasn't writer. Her, yeah, I would think she would say this wasn't her best. Yeah, so this is uh, March twentieth, uh, two thousand three. The headline is Avril Lavigne. Little Miss can't be wrong, and the lead is if the singer says she writes her own songs, who's going to tell her otherwise? So already, like just from the lead of the article, it, it's confrontational. 
with Avril. Um, so yeah, go ahead, Brian. You can uh, you can dig in into this one because yeah, I I read this last mm. night and I was like I was fucking blown away. It's crazy. Though she's always been a mischievous kid, Levine says that her core values were shaped by growing up in a religious household. My mom wouldn't even let me sing Strawberry Wine because it said wine in it. And I was this little kid. Number one, that song, I think, is also about getting drunk and fucking, if I'm not mistaken. Sure. Uh, that might have been the real reason, not the wine part. Uh, I she remembers she protected my image and that's not the only reason why I don't dance around like a hoe on stage, but it definitely has something to do with being brought up with tons of morals. And I'm not saying I'll never write a song with a curse word because there's definitely been times where I'm like, Oh man, fuck would sound good there. But then I think about my mom and how it would probably hurt her. She says laughing quietly. So I just said Frick instead Frig. And I thought, I thought that was really eye opening that that was the moment where I kind of crystallized this. This is country music too. This, right. this is, this could have gone three separate ways. And you've said, it. you said Taylor Swift earlier started out as country too. Right. Yeah. I think, I think. Yeah. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. And then eventually crossed over into pop. Um, totally. And then, yeah, this, this paragraph is so funny. Like it just, <clears throat> this is such a 2003, like, let's just take a gun and <clears throat> pardon me. Sorry, I'm getting over a cold. Uh, let's just nah. take a gun and fire it at as many people as possible. So the the quote ending the previous paragraph is from L.A. Reed, uh, who's the president of Arista Records at the time and so who the label Avril's label. L.A. Reed says you can't really predict when an artist is be- going to become a teen icon. And then Jenny follows up with an icon that is who wears baggy pants, plastic bracelets, and a scowl, not the skimpy threads and ultra bright smiles of Brittany and Mandy and Beyonce and pre-dirty Christina, an icon who sings about crushes on skater boys and who listens to Blink-182 and who may or may not know who Sid Vicious was, which is like, who what who fucking cares? Who cares an icon who had quite a bit of help writing the songs on let go but at least not from the swedish hitmakers who write backstreet boys songs or from the neptunes who write everything else well it's funny also there is a little piece of uh i i uh i found jenny alescu's twitter and uh okay. she actually did write the liner notes for Britney Spears greatest hits album, which I think is incredibly funny, incredibly like, funny after reading this article, it's like, um, so this is where they get. So here's, here's a little piece. I, when I wrote complicated, she says, I was feeling what that song talks about, that there are tons of people in the world who are fake, who are two faced. And when I ask her how long it took her to write that song, she says simply maybe two hours without equivocation. Songwriting is like that for me. She adds with a snap of her fingers. Someone can say, go write a song and I can do it. I write a song a day. <laughs> I was like, I like that attitude. Um, Love it. And also, there are fake people is a very 18 year old girl opinion to hold. There's so many fake people out there. And uh, so I love that it was that. And I believe her that she wrote the song. Now, I don't believe that she can write a song a day. And then she's like, I just sat down two hours. We're one of the biggest hits ever. It's just what I do. I think that's something she's heard other people say, like Bob Dylan would always say like, yeah, man, it just comes to you and it runs through my hands. Five beats a day for three summers. 
classic but the guy, uh, <laughs> the the classic guy Kanye quote. <clears throat> yeah. So it's like, it's, it's so sad. <laughs> I think the thing I, that got me there was like, there were little pieces of this article that were like, God damn it. You're not doing yourself any favors <laughs> by saying like, I wrote most of the songs. I could do them in two minutes. And then, so then it's like, you're not writing right a song you're not doing that you didn't write all these songs we we know that and it's not wrong but according to the matrix they wrote they wrote the bulk of the three hit singles by themselves which by the way insanely insanely unprofessional to me to it's it's crazy that anybody else ever worked with them after this article I oh totally especially when like avril's 18 and they fucking like pop off um, I'll set that up because this is following exactly the paragraph I just read about how they're sort of like, oh, maybe Avril didn't write these songs. God, like these two paragraphs are so fucked. Uh, Levine's blockbuster performance, Let Go, is the third best-selling album of 2002, is surprising, but clever marketing has certainly helped. To a young audience tired of glitzy teen disco, Levine has been presented as a guitar-toting singer-songwriter. But it's unclear how much songwriting she does. You have to get by the handwritten lyrics and examine Let Go's liner notes very carefully to find out who wrote what. And the booklet contains photos of Levine's touring band, which doesn't actually play on the record, which I do find it extremely funny that this Rolling Stone writer was like, I'm going to dissect the lyric booklet of Avril Levine's album. And then there's the issue of her punk rock cred or lack thereof. It's a sore subject for Levine who avoids using the P word these days, but her bandmates, all veterans of small time punk bands are quick to defend her. And now this is good. This is Jesse Colburn, the guitarist in her band. And this is perfect. And he's totally right. And I love that he kind of, you know, throws it in this, in this reporter's face. I can totally understand why people would be pissed off at Avril, says rhythm guitarist Jesse Colburn, but it's not her fault. Punk pop is in right now, and someone out there thought they could capitalize on it with Avril. You can kind of look punky without listening to punk rock or writing punk rock music. Yeah, Mm -hmm. no fucking shit. Of course you can. That's the weirdest thing about punk, though, is it's like this music that was just like this fertile creative ground, and then it became just something like one thing after that and also it again unfair to because what's that other god damn it where's that other piece because there is another piece in here oh uh the david bowie bit i can't oh, find yes. it where she says uh, that she mispronounced david bowie's name yeah she's like she's what the like, fuck am i supposed to do about that i was I'm born 18. in 1984 but yeah. what why do I have to know David Bowie who David Bowie is? My mom's a, fu- her mom's a fucking Christian wacko, probably likely. Uh, yeah. it sounds like she wouldn't even let her sing about wine. Um, so where was Avril supposed to be taught about David Bowie and, and, and the velvet underground. This, this, this young girl doesn't even know who the velvet underground are. Yeah, I know. <laughs> She's never heard a single Dead Boys song. It's crazy. Uh, I know. It's so funny. Do you want to do the uh, the Matrix part? Uh, yeah, we'll do that. Um, but according to the Matrix, they wrote the bulk of the three hit singles by themselves following their first meeting with Levine. With those songs, we conceived the ideas on guitar and piano, says Christy. Avril would come in and sing a few melodies 
change a word here or there. She came up with a couple things and complicated, like instead of take off your stupid clothes, she wanted to say preppy clothes, which was like, I mean, this girl, I'll say this too, just one of the more, it's so glaring. Somebody should make a doc about this because it's so glaring how nasty people were to her. And then, Oh, never mind. I got her mixed up with somebody else. I got her messed up with Ashley Simpson, who was somebody else they fucked oh, really yeah. bad on yeah. that Saturday Night Live <clears throat> thing. But totally. they were just way you can't. It's like these people saying like you can't have guitar in your fucking song unless you know who fucking Sid Vicious is. is. Yeah. yeah, who gives a fuck about any of that shit? I've also only heard the a replacements album one time. Does that make me evil or 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 whatever? I'm not allowed because Levine and her band make perfect co-conspirators. The boys are all a few years older and treat their pint-sized leader like a kid sister. The four punk rockers have been trying to school Levine on what she should listen to. For her birthday, I got her back in black, the clash singles, and the me first and the gimme gimmies. Your straightforward rock and roll, your punk, and your pop rock. Pop punk, says bassist Charlie Moniz. The resident indie rock connoisseur brand gave her a copy of Nirvana's Nevermind. Yeah, oh, big indie rock. Nirvana's Nevermind, Smashing Pumpkins, Siamese Dream, and some Pixie stuff. I started her off with the more palatable ones, like Monkey Gone to Heaven, he says. Then I give her Debaser, and she's like, I don't know about that, which is insane. Debaser is just a fucking banger. That's the song my my daughter got into them right. with, was Debaser. And she's like, I don't know about that. He, she even got a lesson in recent music history from one of her heroes, the Goo Goo Dolls, Johnny Resnick. That What's that CD Johnny Resnick bought me? Levine asks her tour manager, Dan Garnett. It starts with an R. She squinches her forehead and tries to remember. Finally, she asks me, do you know who Johnny Resnick's idol was? The Replacements, I suggest. Yeah, The Replacements. I never have time to listen to it, but I like it. Which, she, this this writer is she that's such a nasty thing to print of uh, the johnny resnick thing who's johnny resnick's uh uh and i immediately knew you know what i yeah. mean uh, yeah <laughs> uh of the course. replacements uh you know i know yeah this is the david bowie thing um Levine never listened to much music until she hit puberty, and even then it was mostly country divas such as Shania Twain or mainstream rock bands like the Goo Goo Dolls and Matchbox 20, which is one reason she had never seen David Bowie's name when it came time to read it off a list of nominees at a Grammy press conference in January. She pronounced the bow like bow wow rather than bow tie. So I guess she called him David Bowie. And then, yeah, this is a great quote. Did people think that was bad? She asks coyly. What's the big deal? I was born in 1984. Why would I know who he is? My parents didn't bring me up listening to him. Besides, people mispronounce my name all the time. And it's like, yeah, totally. Like, like even printing that is just such a like, ugh. it's just so annoying to me. This whole article yeah. is really fucking annoying, obviously. It's but a nasty article. It's nasty uh, for sure. And then, yeah, like even this part where she says, <clears throat> She says, because, uh, yeah, they, right after the paragraph you were reading about the Matrix, uh, a week later, I see Levine again in New York. She seems annoyed when I tell her that I'm confused about how the collaborations worked. Yeah, no shit. Like, I like that she's <laughs> making Avril try to seem like Avril was a bitch for being, like, annoyed. Like, 
this is the fifth time you've asked me who wrote the songs. Like, shut the fuck up. You yeah. know, and, and then Avril says, I knew in my heart that I needed to be more pop to break. Uh, she says that the harder rocking songs on Let Go, specifically Losing Grip and Unwanted, had the sound she wanted for the whole album. Those tracks were co-written with Cliff Magnus, blah, blah, blah. She says the label wasn't thrilled by the heavy guitar sound, and that's when it hooked her up with The Matrix. Arista was drop-dead shit afraid that I would come up with a whole album that sounded like Unwanted and Losing Grip, she says. I swear they wanted to drop me or something. I don't feel like Complicated represents me and my ability to write, but without Complicated, I bet you anything I wouldn't have even sold a million records. The songs I did with The Matrix, yeah, they were good for my first record, but I don't want to be that pop anymore. Um, and then also, <clears throat> uh, she backs it up Avril's second album. She didn't work with any, uh, popular hit makers. She co-wrote a bunch of the songs with Chantel Kreviatsuk, who is like a adult contemporary artist in, uh, in Canada. So, oh, but she can't win there. No, I know that like. But you know know, what I mean? It's like she did back it up. She's like, I'm not working with the Matrix again. Like, fuck off. You know, so I thought that was pretty sick, too. Well, even backing it up in that, like, her second album didn't sell as much so that the writers could then say, well, she wrote her own and it didn't sell. well, And it didn't sell. I mean, it still sold a lot. But, yeah, I know what you're saying. Um, And then the Washington Post article uh, follows a very I don't know if you had anything else from the Rolling Stone one, Brian. No, I don't have anything else. So I will now be with you sure yeah i don't have much more just with you john well this is it's just funny because it follows so much of the same line of thinking like it just gives you an insight into the time period and how young women were written about this one's by david siegel from january 14th 2003 it's a washington post article and it's called avril lavigne unvarnished and it says uh so far avril lavigne is having a lousy sunday She is plopped on a sofa backstage at Nation, the Washington nightclub, looking bored to the point of catatonia, her only vital sign, the nonstop jiggling of a pink sneakered foot. The unfocused stare, her barely audible voice, it all says she'd rather be anywhere but in this tiny room, hashing over her life, her music, her family, and her seemingly instant rise from small-town obscurity to big-time Britney killer for the zillionth time. The only topic that interests her in this interview is how little she enjoys interviews. Um, And then it's like, I I love when the media gets so mad that people don't want to talk to them. Like it just is, especially when it's a teenage girl, you're like mad that this teenage girl doesn't want to talk. Avril says no offense or anything. It's just like weird when someone's like, so how does it feel? She murmurs. You just shake someone's hand, sit down and spill your guts. And they just want to know so much. And you're just like, why do you care? Why do we care? Well, girlfriend, let's start with your debut album. Let go. It's like, really? Like you throw in the girlfriend, well, girlfriend, uh, we care because you're successful. Like, fuck off. You're like probably a 45 year old man. It's just like <clears throat> so stupid. And then they always have to talk about their her. Like she's 18 and a man writer says she's tomboyish, but cute, feisty, but somehow indifferent, naughty enough to swear and flip the occasional bird. Um, It's just like, ugh. She certainly seems real enough during the interview, if only because there is no point in faking so much apathy. 
It's charming, paradoxically. Levine has been perfectly packaged right down to the punky type font on her album, but she and the character she's playing on stage are the same person. And after all the beauty pageant blankness of the midriff crowd, a kid so unprogrammed that she won't perk up for a chat is refreshing. It's like, so wait, you hated her, but now it's, but now it's like refreshing and good. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they, I can't, I, this was the best kind of education in that thing. Cause you had heard the Britney Spears. I mean, they made all these Britney Spears documentaries, but this was someone by all accounts who wasn't troubled, um, who, who kind of handled everything decently and like, uh, was still just ran over, was trying to do the right shit. You know what I mean? Trying to do rock music and, and, and make her own thing. And, like all that stuff. Like this is somebody that was trying to do the right fucking thing. And these people just fucking these jackals were just like, uh, they, they just, they, they didn't let her do it, man. They, they couldn't possibly believe that a, an 18 year old could like rock music. An 18 year old girl could like rock music. Totally. Basically. And also just <laughs> pitting her against like Britney Spears and stuff like that is fucked. And secondly, because when I searched for her, she did have a lot of midriff. Uh, of course. When I searched of for course. Chad Kroger nude, I got <laughs> Avril Lavigne in, in that kind of clothes. So yeah. it, it just, it, they, I, I don't know. It's also willfully fucking stupid. You know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Well, and also, like, uh, again, this article also mentions the Matrix connection. Uh, they talk about her career. It says nothing worked until she met with a three right three person songwriting and production team called the Matrix. The trio's long list of previous credits includes Christina Aguilera and the Backstreet Boys. If those associations are a touchy topic with Arista, weirdly, there are no songwriting credits to be found in the liner notes of Let Go. Another people or another person looking at the liner notes. It isn't with Avril. She explained exactly how complicated it was written. Graham sat down with the guitar and was like, listen to this little idea I have. And I was like, oh, cool. And then me and Lauren started singing to it. And we just recorded the guitar part and then went and laid on a blanket in the sun and wrote lyrics to it. Lauren and I Levine came back the next day and nailed the song in a single take. Um, and then finally, uh, Avril, like you said, Brian comes across really perfectly here in this one line. All the anti-Britney talk that's trailed her since the release of Complicated annoys Avril. It's mean, she says, and stupid. Yeah, uh, which she's right. That, that, that quote has aged very well, right? Now that you know we yeah. all of what we know about Britney Spears, uh, yeah, really good. Can I? Do you think there is a single person in the world that believes the Avril Lavigne conspiracy theory, or this is like a totally fun one? You know, I think are there are with. some people who are stupid enough to believe it, but I don't I think most people do not believe it. Yes. Yeah. So if you don't know, uh, this is a nylon article from Sophia June in April of 2022. Uh, but this has been going on since 2011. There is a, a theory that Avril Lavigne committed suicide uh, in 2003 after a deep depression stemming from uh, her career and the death of her grandfather and that she was too big of a star so they replaced her with an actress named melissa vandella um and the blog uh, that originally reported on this cites evidence like the disappearance of moles and skin blemishes changes in handwriting a change in avril's nose and personal style avril wears dickies melissa wears dresses and a promotional photo shoot where levine has the name melissa written on her hand 
Needless to say, Levine has denied this rumor many times. <laughs> yeah. Well, she's not dead. It, I, th- I thought it was just a goof, like a, a Chuck Norris joke situation right. kind of thing. Right. Was, was kind of my, my guess at it. So I was just wondering if you thought anybody actually believed it. I don't think it. people actually believe it, but I do think it is like one of the funnier conspiracy theories that's out there. That Avril Lavigne was just so big. And she's not even like, yeah, okay, let go is big. She's had some big moments, but like, she's not that big that we had to replace her with an actress, you know, like Michael Jackson died. We didn't try to replace him, you know, like, (laughs) yeah, she was fine. She was totally fine and not totally uh, dead. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, that uh, that'll wrap it up, Uh, Brian. uh, It is time for the tweet defense. If this is your first time ever listening to the show, this is how we review the album. Uh, It's the idea that if someone tweeted at you that this album sucked, it's how many tweets you would do in defense of the album. Brian, uh, what is your score for this one? Uh, I like this is all on the strength of complicated and the fact that Skater Boy has been stuck in my head since I listened to it the first two times i'm gonna give this one a six okay because like i i i am open to pop songs these days i love it um do you like i'm with you we never really talked about that are you do are you an i'm with you guy yeah i there wasn't anything i didn't like i like the rapping yeah for the same reason that i like disturbed sure because it's funny Funny. And like, I, I think I liked, I, I don't think there was anything on this I didn't like. The reason it's a lower score for me is because I did think there were a lot of pretty unremarkable songs on this album that it was just kind of like all mashing together in my head sure. at, at a Understood. certain point. Because like I said, I'll listen to a fucking album once and review it for this show and, and have a lot more to say than this one I listened to three times and I was just like grasping to try to be like, what is what is it that that is the I, I guess it was like what is it that makes this something cohesive and yeah. i don't think that exists i think this is a uh like i said several tries to figure out what the next album should be you know fair um yeah for me i'm also going to give it a six uh look I at think that we've never matched i don't think we've ever matched i think it's a great album i think this the singles are undeniable i think some of the uh some of the lesser tracks are also great and um <laughs> what some of the lesser tracks are also yeah like great. the lesser no like the lesser known tracks I oh mean. i thought you yeah, were yeah, saying yeah, yeah. even the bad songs are great yeah like I mean, well, amazing I mean, no, 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 that's not true. There's definitely a lot of songs on this album that are just okay, but I don't think there's any outright bad songs on it. And I liked it a lot more than I thought I would. It's probably more of a five for me, but Avril's Canadian. So I also have to give it, I, I give an extra tweet you give it uh, in one. defense of, of her being Canadian. So it, it comes up it's- to a six for me. Now, Before we get into the ending of the show, just like to remind you that if you'd like to support the show, you can do so over at patreon.com slash the POD cast. That's cast with a K like the band corn. You get three bonus episodes every single month, a full length album review bonus and two singles uh, every single month. And uh, we just did, we had a busy December. We did a very special one-off episode with holiday Kirk, where we ranked all 50 of the singles that we've done so far. And then Brian and I did a full length review of audio vent, 
Um, so audio events album, dirty, sexy nights in Paris. Uh, it's about as good as it sounds. Uh, that is all up on the Patreon. We've got <clears throat> almost a hundred albums, uh, or sorry, a hundred episodes in the back catalog over there. You get access to all of those discord merch discounts, all of that stuff. And if you want to tell us what to do for a bonus episode, you can also do that. So that's all over at patreon.com slash the POD cast. Check it out. Uh, Brian, uh, the challenge last month, uh, if you've never listened to the show before, we give ourselves a challenge based on an album or sorry, based on the album we've listened to last month, we listened to Sepultura's roots and we had to make an album that spoke to our region or, or, you know, because Sepultura went into the Amazon jungle and they recorded with a Brazilian tribe and used Brazilian instruments on the album. So Brian and I did it. Brian conceded the challenge to me on the episode, but I still did a poll anyway, just to see. And I did also win the poll. So that takes me to 20 wins, 18 losses and two ties. And this month in the spirit of skater boy, we are going to write our own version about the type of girls that we were into in high school. Uh, and so Brian, what, uh, what, what's your version of skater boy, uh, that you have for us? (laughs) This is, this is a shoot for real, uh, who I had the world's biggest crush on. Here I go. She was Cameron Diaz. She was in the mask. I think I'm way in love with her. She was a superstar and I'm 15 years old. Do you think she would date me? Yes. (laughs) That's really good. I had, I, I was so after seeing the mask, I was enraptured. By we uh we watched the holiday over Christmas, uh, Becca and I. Not not the best movie, but Cameron Diaz, man. There was like a five year period there where she was just whew, about as hot as you, about as hot about as you could be. Then. So hot. Yeah. Dan doesn't agree, but man. you guys are horny freaks. Well, oh yeah, that would that's a good point. Good point. Uh, well, I was so, horny when I was fifteen. <clears throat> so mine is uh sort of about the type of girl that I was into in high school. Uh, the basic the basic type of girl. (laughs) I didn't really have my alt phase until after high school. So here we go. She was a basic girl. She said, I love the spice girls. She was way too hot for him. He had an okay face. He stood outside of her place, hoping she'd look outside for once. She was a basic girl. He said, I'm in love with you. She said, who the fuck are you? (laughs) Now that she's turned 18, her boyfriend is 23. I never really had a chance. (laughs) I love it. Oh, that was good. Thank you. you. Her boyfriend was 23. Right? Because that's like what happened to all the hot basic girls. It's like I got into university and it was like the hot basic girls that I had crushes on were all dating guys who were in like fourth or fifth year university. And I was like, well, I was never in the game. I was never in the game, baby. Not happening. So uh, (laughs) there you have it. You'll have a chance to vote on who won that poll on our Twitter. If you're not following us, it's twitter.com slash the POD underscore cast again, cast with a K like the band corn also on our Twitter. We do the poll. So if you want to have a chance to influence which album Brian and I listen to next month, every month we nominate two albums each. So four in total, and you get a chance to decide what we listen to next. That's how we ended up listening to Avril Lavigne. Uh, So Brian uh, this month, who are your two that you're putting up uh, for the February episode? So we did Avril Lavigne. 
I felt I needed to go heavy new metal. I like, knew not you were heavy, gonna, yeah. heavy, but, but we needed to go in yep. the direction of Definitely. real new metal. So Agreed. I picked two B tier bands, one that's been around on every poll and one okay. and a lot of polls, and one that hasn't really ever been on a poll. Okay. The first one is Head PE self titled. Sure. That one's a frequent one. Been on a billion polls. Yep. And it's very much a fucking new metal. It's very a, li- new metal. a listener also just pointed out. I don't know if you knew this, Brian, but they just released a an album where they cover uh they're covering songs from the seventies. Ooh, <laughs> yeah, I it's literally called uh, Head PE seventies hits from the pit. <laughs> <laughs> I bet it sucks. <laughs> oh, and then the sure second one I'm doing is you can't get more sleaze, not sleazy, scuzzy. Like B tier new metal than non point statement. Oh, there we go. Non-point. So I okay. wanted to get two in there that were like, you will never, these are not Avril level. Love it. <laughs> Love it. Well, I, I was similar as you, uh, or similar to you in that I, I thought the same thing. And I also, I was looking at our past episodes. It has been almost two years since we've covered the Deftones. Um, we covered White Pony all the way back in episode 19. And now we're on episode 41. So we're almost two years since we covered the Deftones. So I'm going to put up the self-titled Deftones album, the fourth one. I know, Brian, you're not the biggest fan of that one. I like Um, that one. Okay, sweet. Uh, So I'm going to put that one up. It's only been on a poll once before. And then, uh, Brian, this is a little bit of a tip of the cap to you. But when we were recording the Audio Vent album, Audio Vent brought up a band that we have put on the poll before, uh, but sort of uh, one of the earlier new metal bands and a new metal band that influenced a lot of other new metal bands uh, that Audio Vent said they were influenced by as well. Uh, Far Water and Solutions. I'm going oh, to put up God, on the album. poll. So, Look, so guys, yeah, don't so pick we've Deftones. got. You know, in the future, we'll do Deftones a hundred <laughs> times. Pick one of the three weird ones. There you go. So head PE, non-point, Deftones, and Far will be in the poll. Usually goes up around the middle of the month. So again, just follow us on Twitter, and uh, you'll have your chance to vote. And again, if you want to donate to the Patreon, patreon.com slash the POD cast, help support the show. And thanks to everybody for listening. Uh, you know, we did Avril Lavigne. You stuck with us. You listened to it. You loved it. We loved it too. Uh, thank you for, for listening, for supporting us. We appreciate you. We love you. We'll see you back here next month. Goodbye.